Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ubi Est Mia. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This is a podcast about Chicago by former Chicagoans. Today's guest is CJ Toledano, former Chicagoan, current Michigander. He is the head writer and creative producer of the Detroit Pistons. So he makes funnies for a basketball team. Uh, he's got a job that didn't exist before this season. In fact, he might have the only job like this in all of professional sports. It's pretty cool. CJ used to be at Second City. He was a member of the Lincoln Lodge. He used to be a member of the Late Live Show. He was a Jimmy Fallon writer. He was a Conan intern. The young man has led a very interesting life. In this episode, we talk a lot about basketball. We talk a lot about comedy, how Chicago shaped him, and much more. Without further ado, here's CJ Toledano. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll live there again. Well, that's the thing about you. You've never really wanted to leave, from my knowledge. Uh, yeah, I mean, I expect, I fully expect to live there again at some point. I just know, I don't know what for, but I mean, I always manage to, to find a way back there. So you lived there for initially for school, is that correct? Yeah, I went there for, for Second City, like that comedy studies uh, program, but I was going to come back to Erie for some weird reason. I mean, uh, but that, I mean, that's where I'm from, but yeah, I ended up, I ended up staying and just doing stand-up, so. Are you glad you stayed and did stand-up? Of course. Are you kidding me? Not of course, because you left Chicago initially to go do an internship for Conan, is that correct? Yeah, I, I think I was there in Chicago for like three and a half years, and then, yeah, and then I, I left, but, I, yeah, I mean, I didn't, it's not because I didn't like it anymore, I just, yeah, that opportunity was so big. How often do you go back? Man, well, now I'm, that I'm back in the Midwest, I'm, I, I think I'll probably end up going back at least, you know, once once a month or once every two months. But, uh, yeah, when I was in L.A., I managed to go back there, like, once every three to four months. D did your L.A. friends find this odd? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my, uh, yeah, they always, my one roommate, it's a dumb, dumb nickname, but he always called, he said CJ stood for Chicago John, and also because I always bring up the Chicago days and always talk about stories from Chicago, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was just like stand up. When I was doing stand up in LA, I uh, I never fully like I don't know, I don't want to say reached my potential, but it was never the same. So I always ended up going back to Chicago to do like a week of shows, just because. It, yeah, I mean, it just I love the crowds in Chicago, and I love the um, the ability to do it so much without any sort of like industry, um, you know, judgment. So. I always end up going back just to like work on a chunk of minutes. Do you think that's unique to Chicago or just unique to your, at that point, your age and just not being LA or New York? Um, you no, know, I think Chicago is the best. It's the, you know, the, the Midwest crowd and the, you know, it's, it's still, it's the comedy Mecca. I'd say with second city and, and, and IO and the theaters. And I think the stand up scene, it's the best place, um, to start out. So, you end up, yeah, you end up finding your voice there, and then you move to New York or L.A. to cash in on whatever talent you ended up developing. You cashed in in L.A., you cashed in in New York, but not, not for very long, because now you have one of the most unique jobs of anyone I've ever heard of, and that's, <laughs> that's with a uh, National Basketball Association professional team, and that's the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, and it's still super surreal to me. Sorry, there's that like, beeping in the background, but... My apartment has this weird, uh, it's no longer functioning security system, but uh, it just beeps at random times and I've yet to get it fixed. Do you live in Detroit proper? Yeah, I live in uh, Midtown. Okay. 
But don't the Pistons not play in Detroit proper? Yeah, they, they play up in Auburn Hills, which is 45 minutes away. But I just, you know, I can't live in the suburbs. I wanted, I wanted to live in the city, and I wanted to have the experience of, you know, I want, yeah, I'm just not ready to, like, settle in the suburbs. And your alarm goes off this consistently at random times. At random time, yeah, it, it's only been happening last week. I think I was talking to my landlord. I think it's because the battery's low, but I just opened it up with, I, like, I ripped it off the wall and couldn't find where there's a battery. So we're still trying to figure out how to fix it. You, how old are you? Twenty-eight. I'm just wondering because this seems like a problem a twenty-eight-year-old can handle on his own. Oh, oh, sure, but I, uh, I'm an idiot. I mean, you know, I'm I do idiot. know you, but not everyone does. <laughs> so how how did you get this job? This is a absurd job. Are you the only person in sports that has this job? As far as I know, I mean, you know, the, the cert, a lot of the tasks that I do are part of ex- existing jobs in in sports marketing, essentially. Okay. Um, but the focus, I think, is super unique. It's you know, I got the job. It's through Funny or Die, you okay, know, Ferrell's website, which they do a lot of you know branded partnerships or um, you know corporate stuff but uh essentially the detroit pistons reached out to funny or die and wanted to have you know more of a creative and and comedy focused you know integration fancy word but yeah so they they struck the deal over the summer and then just sort of my reputation in la and i guess in comedy is that i am a a comedian but i talk about basketball a lot you do talk about basketball a lot yeah, and so actually, the the way I ended up finding not finding out about the job, but I was approached from uh, who Betsy Koch, who's the executive producer. She's been executive producer over at Funny or Die for a while now, and we know each other because we play basketball with each other every Saturday, uh, along with like thirty other people. Because it's it's a game, it's a weekly game that I put together. And this uh, was in LA. This is in LA. Which grew from in the span of a year, it grew from like three comedians and writers playing uh, to now like thirty regular comedians and, and writers and producers just showing up and playing on a Saturday. That's like, do you have set teams? Is there a league? Uh, what happened? No, we shoot for teams. It's you know the first four people to make it are one team because we it's a smaller court, so we play with four four on four. Okay. So uh, yeah, we ended up occupying like three courts uh, at this middle school in Silver Lake. That's a, that's a, that's a delightful thing to hear. Yeah, I, I was actually, I was working on a piece, I was trying to write it to, I was going to submit it to Grantland, but, you know, Grantland just shut down, so yes. I kind of, uh, I kind of stopped writing it, but yeah, it's, it's a super unique thing, and um, yeah, it was like the most important thing in, in my life when I was out there. Why was that? It, because I, I, I started playing it like weeks into moving there and it was the one regular thing that I was doing <clears throat> while living there. So, and then that's how I met so many people. Okay. Um, but so before you were in LA playing basketball randomly, you did have jobs on television. Yeah. Uh, wh- what initially took you from Chicago and moved you to LA? Uh, yeah, that second time was that I, uh, just, I was living in Chicago because I met a girl <laughs> after, after I worked for, I mean, yeah, you know the story. I was working for Jimmy Fallon and it didn't work out. So I was going to move back to L.A. Uh, but I, I scheduled a trip for two weeks in Chicago just to do stand-up to just sort of get my uh, my, my bearings back and stand-up and visited Chicago and then ended up meeting a girl and I stayed back for two years. And then, um, yeah, after like two years, I was like, man, I have, a, I have an awesome TV credit. I should really go and 
use it and work continue to work in TV. So I decided to move back to LA to, to get that back. What did you do for those two years in Chicago? I ended up opening up for like Bo Burnham and Joel McHale and then taking random jobs. I was working for The Onion for a little bit. Okay. Uh, also, what else did I do? I, oh, I, I was writing for this toy called Oobly, which is like, it was like a new age Furby where the, the face of it was literally an old iPhone app. It was an iPhone that you put in, and it was you know the, the app was a face, mm-hmm. and then it would update update weekly with new jokes and stories for kids. Did your what did your mother think of this? <laughs> she loved it. Did she really? I mean, my mom's been pretty supportive of this weird career choice I've made, and it, you know I've, I've I've been making a living doing it for for a while now. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, she as long as. She's not giving me money. She's happy about it. Well, you got success at a relatively young age. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, but it wasn't consistent. There were a lot of, you know, months and even years where it was just like, like, yeah, nothing was going on. So, Well, that's, that's kind of actually what I wanted to focus on about you because uh, for a lot of people, they would have quit because you went from interning at Conan to then writing for Fallon. Like, was that the next, was that how that went? Was that the transition? Yeah. Yeah, it was like four months at Conan, and then immediately, like, I had to leave the internship to go work at Fallon. Had that ever happened before, to your knowledge? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, I've heard at Fallon, though, like, of of interns becoming a writer. I've mm-hmm. heard, I think that was, like, one instance, but yeah, I mean, I guess I, I haven't heard of that. And then... Or I don't know specific cases off the top of my head. I think you were, what, 23, 22 at the time? I was uh, 24. 24, okay. And then that didn't last for very long. By the time you were still 24, you no longer worked for Fallon. Correct. And then you kind of went back to Chicago and had your sabbatical where you opened up for Joe McHale and wrote for a children's app. Yeah. And then you're like, I got to get out of here. Time to go to L.A. to play some basketball. Hopefully one day I'll work for the Pistons. Yeah, it wasn't to go play some basketball, but that was the only thing. Like, I just had so much free time. I was writing packets during the day. Mm-hmm. You know, for three to four hours at a coffee shop, and then I was like, "Fuck, I got to go play." Oops, I shouldn't swear, right? It's so, it's your life. I mean, it's whatever you'd like. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, actually, I, the apartment that I was living at was across the street from a, a, a elementary school that had a basketball court. And my friend Travis, who I knew because his girlfriend uh, was my office mate at Fallon, they had just moved to LA, and he was also jobless. And we would just write together during the day at this coffee shop, and then go play basketball. I think what a lot of people that don't know anything about comedy, uh, they don't imagine this type of lifestyle. Like, oh, that's actually how you get things done. You do have to write all the time. You do have to to work really hard at it. But at the same time, you're probably going to get your job through your friends that you're playing basketball with or drinking with or playing cards with at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, kind of the, the, the cool thing. And, you know, there is a lot of competition out in L.A. You know, Sat, I don't, it, it sucks to say, but, Everyone, there's a lot of people who are funny, and a lot of them move to L.A. in New York, and they're just as good as, you know, comedy as you are, and so, but there aren't that many jobs to go around, uh, and so the people who generally get hired are the people who are easy to hang out with, uh, or have been around a lot, and, you know, just have, you know, a good network of friends. Mm-hmm. Does that, when you were living in Chicago, do you wish you had that advice, or was that already something you knew? Uh, you know, the advice I always got from, from like comedians would always just be like, be a regular, nice person. Uh, I think I, I'm 
I'm lucky in that I like to be around people. I like to hang out, or I did at least, you know, I like to do that a lot when I was when I was starting out in Chicago. Also, I just didn't have that many friends um, in Chicago. And doing stand up, I just met a lot of people. So I, I, it's not a skill, but you know, just being a nice, normal person, I was able to meet a lot of people. And just so happens that's how you end up getting jobs. We have a mutual friend, and we're not going to say his name, but for a very long time, you wanted to essentially try to make him a star, and. A lot of people would consider him not someone that's very easy to talk to in real life or not the easiest person to. Okay, yeah, yeah, now I know you're talking. Exactly. Uh, now that you're a little bit older and you're a little bit further away from Chicago, do you have any desire to try to help that person anymore? Or did you age out of that and realize maybe maybe uh, you're supposed to be where you're at? Well, I, no, I mean, I don't I don't have any say in, in you know, if I, if I wasn't, if, if I was doing some project where he would make sense, I would absolutely bring him up okay um i don't have i don't have the power to like make anyone's career <laughs> like i'm barely I, i'm barely hanging on to my own career at all times so, of course but if there was ever a perfect thing for him immediately i would bring up his name yeah the reason why i wanted to talk about him because if he represents i'm sorry to the listener i'm not saying who this person is i have he's he represents so much of chicago comedy to me um he's one of the funniest people in the room at all times, but he's also one of the scariest people in the room at all times. And you're very uncomfortable at all times. And I don't think you see a lot of that in LA or New York. Uh, yeah. And to, to speak to him for the people who probably can figure out who we're talking about is that he, once you get to know him and once he sort of gets to know you, he's a very warm person. And, uh, yeah, a little bit of it is just an act. And, uh, yeah, I've had some, a lot of good times with that guy and he's so funny. Like, yeah, I, wanna, I don't like him. So, um, and those guys end up usually they end up finding success in some way because I I know him and he will not stop doing stand up. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, or let's I think things are already figured out for him. Good. Let's focus on your present. Um, the the video that some people might have seen, which was great, was a slowly rolled out video featuring a basketball entering the frame. Uh, and to mostly celebrities interacting with said basketball. It featured John Oliver. It featured Ken Jong. It featured Eminem, which was my absolute favorite cameo. Live from downtown Detroit. The Pistons basketball still on the run. It was last seen in several major cities, including New York and Los Angeles, with no specific pattern or clue as to where it's headed next. If you see this ball, please contact the Detroit Pistons who wish to dunk it as soon as possible. John Oliver, just time for a quick recap of the Detroit Basketball. It was your job to put this together, is that correct? Uh, yes. Okay, so why did the Detroit Pistons even want to work with Bunny or Ty, and why were they like, oh, this comedian will do the best job? Uh, you know what? It's just like sports in general, in my opinion, like the – the stuff that gets views or gets people to watch, it's always been the same thing. Is the team good or not? Um, but with the way things are working now, and, you know, especially in sports, too, like, there's ESPN 30 for 30s. There's, you know, social media. People are becoming fans of athletes just because they like their social media presence or they like personalities. Like, these are human beings playing these sports. They are, they are very much could be known for things other than just how good they are at this particular sport. Um, so I think the Pistons are very progressive in, in considering that. And we're like how, you know, we're not the best basketball team in the NBA. 
uh, we're sort of, we actually have this new group of guys. We have this new coach who's a legend, um, or, you know, on, on, on his way to, you know, having legendary status, like what's a thing we can do to continue sort of making this rise, uh, and bringing attention to our team in a positive way. And so they thought of funny or die in, in doing, you know, it's, it's a new, it's a new, I don't know. It's a new way to look at sports marketing. Funny, I mean, they, they approached Funny or Die because Funny or Die has obviously had success in doing this before, or like not success in doing this particular thing before, but in, in you know, social media. So they struck the deal with Funny or Die, and then Funny or Die found me and, you know, thought that I would make sense. And I think I am making sense. Uh, just because I, I, when I, when I pitched the whole model to them and how I saw it was like, you know, there are stories to be told outside of stats. There are, there are ways to, you know, put the spotlight on these guys besides how well they played in the game. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're, we're still trying to figure out exactly what that is and how it's marketable. And, you know, the longest oop was the thing that I'm pretty proud of so far. And, you know, and, you know, racking my brain every day of like, what's the next longest oop thing? Like I celebrated that thing for about a day and I was like, man, how, what's the next thing? Well, I, I don't know what it is yet, but you know, hopefully we're close to it. <laughs> One of the regular pieces that I very much enjoy is the dunk feed, which is usually what seven dunks, and it's just a way for you to just put in dunk, put in jokes over dunks. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I'm like, you know, highlights are pretty standard. It's it's uh, you know a series of great plays, you know, from that week or from that night. And so I was like, how, what's another way to package this? And, you know, BuzzFeed and, and list listicles are very popular right now. And so, and I'm also a huge fan of click holes. So I was like, uh, and if you watch these, it, it'll make sense. But yeah, it's essentially, how can I write for click hole and BuzzFeed and basketball all at the same time? And, it, and it's dunk feed. So we just end up naming each dunk, uh, some absurd, uh, list item, uh, but yeah, so the last one was seven seven dunks that will trample you harder than any Black Friday line, and then each dunk was named after a, a certain thing that might happen on Black Friday or an observation from Black Friday. Do you remember my number two was my favorite? It was either number two or number six. It was the second thing in the video, uh, the working to save money. Oh yeah, yeah, it was any discount that I will get uh, is negated because I'm skipping work to wait in this line anyways. Not exactly that, but yeah. That, it's that so was- good, and I'm sorry that I made you essentially retell a joke because that's one of the <laughs> most unfunny things anybody could do. You grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. What, what fans, what, were you a fan of the, who did you root for in Pennsylvania? Were you a Sixers fan, uh-huh. were you? No, I was a uh, I was a Bulls fan and continue. I you know I work for the Pistons, but I'm still such a you know diehard Bulls fan. And uh, it's because well, I was born in Iowa, Marshalltown, Iowa, and we got WGN, so the Bulls were on TV uh, every time they played. Um, and then also it was just the '90s, so I I, really, I just loved Jordan. And um, yeah, so then when I, we moved to Pennsylvania when I was five, I ended up just sticking with the Bulls. Who are you rooting for this year? I'm rooting for our guys, the Pistons. I mean, but, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty self-aware. I don't think the Pistons will win the championship. Uh, and, uh, you know, I will continue to root for the Bulls. But, I mean, I think the Warriors are going to win it. I think the Warriors, obviously, they're having a historical season right now. But, yeah. Um, yeah, and again, like, the thing about it is that I, I love enjoying the, the league as a whole. Like, I'm a huge LeBron fan because he's an incredible basketball player and he's, like, transcending the game. And so... 
Yeah, I root for storylines within the seat, you know, within the league. Would you want to do this job for the Bulls, or would it be too close to home and you wouldn't? Once you know players, you probably wouldn't like the product as much. I I would love to I would love to do it for the Bulls. When I when I working for the Pistons, I, it's like I'm working for basketball. Okay, like, you know, in the in heat, these are the people who uh, the tools are the the. Yeah, these are the people I'm, I'm given to work with, and and I love that I'm working with Pistons. I think there's a lot of cool storylines with them. So yeah, I mean, if I was to work for the Bulls, it'd be because I I there's there's parts of that team that I think I could bring light to, or I could like you know do stuff with them. It's not because they're winning. Who's yeah. one guy on the team you really love that isn't say Derrick Rose or Jimmy Butler? On the Bulls, yeah. Uh, that's not Jimmy Butler or Derrick Rose. I would say, gosh, and I haven't even thought about this. Those are my, my two guys. I guess uh, Tony Snell or, I mean, or Noah. Yeah, I still love Noah. He's having not a great season, but, you know, I still love him. Uh, last two questions. One, if you could move back to Chicago with your current job, would you? Uh, I, I don't know. As of right now. As of right now. As of right, if I was given that option right now, no, I would. I'm really enjoying and learning what this job is supposed to be, or defining it at least with the Pistons. And I like being in Detroit for the time that uh, my contract is, <laughs> uh, and I'm having fun doing this. If I, yeah, I like the team. I like the people I work with, and yeah, so I probably would not take it. And finally, if what is one thing that you think either Detroit needs that Chicago has, or vice versa, one thing you wish it's, Detroit had that Chicago has? Public transit, because you know, I was telling people have been asking me how to describe Detroit and at least the area that I live in, and it's I have everything I had in Chicago except for friends, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, that's about it. It's just there's not a lot of people here, and it's also kind of a, the charm to it. But uh, yeah, I guess public transit was what I loved a lot when I was in Chicago, and, and yeah, just like getting on the train and going to a bar or a restaurant was nice. If you'd like to follow CJ Teledano on Twitter, his name is at sign CJ Teledano. To find and watch all of his videos for the Detroit Pistons, just put in the Detroit Pistons in Facebook and Twitter, and you will find videos that he's made for a professional basketball team. And they are genuinely funny, and that's a weird thing to say because sports teams aren't known for being very funny. For more information about this show, follow us on Twitter at sign UbiEstMiaPod. Find us on Facebook backslash UbiEstMia. This theme song is by Daniel Knox, both the intro and the outro. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, that's at sign YMTE, or subscribe to my other podcast, You, Me, Them, Everybody, at youmethemeverybody.com. Thanks for listening, and have a wonderful night. Keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it.